In uh, Matthew 20 is where we're going tonight. Matthew 20. I'm not going to... Someone said, are you going to rip our faces off tonight? And I said, no, I'm going to do like a Wednesday night Bible study like Brother Hiles would do maybe. But he said, well, people don't like the way I look, so rip, rip my face off, you know. And I'm, I'm not going to do that, though. But Matthew uh, chapter 20 and verse number 1 is where we're starting. The Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and, um, and uh, ninth hour, and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and, and said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that ye shall ye receive. So when they even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto, saith unto the steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last to the first. I want you to remember that statement there, because he makes it over and over and over. The last to the first. And you'll see that in just a moment. But it says, And when they, had, uh, when they came, uh, they, that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should receive more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the goodman of the house, saying, these, have, uh, these last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden of the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Take that as thine, and go thy way. I will give thee a given to the la this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. I want to speak to you tonight on the subject, that's not fair. No, that's grace. That's grace. Our Father, we come tonight, we ask your blessings now on the preaching of your word. And Lord, as we study this, may we see something that we can use in our lives, something practical we can apply when we leave here, so that we won't be hearers of the word and we can be doers of the word. And so tonight, do something in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There's seven life rules you will not learn in high school. I'm going to go from seven to number one. Number seven is television is not real. They will not tell them in high school that television is not real. Now in your schools, they will. Number six, life is not divided into semesters. Number five, if you mess up, it's not your parents' fault. Well, I wish that would teach that one, don't we? Number six is uh, flipping burger, burgers is not beneath your dignity. Number three, if you think your teacher is tough, wait till you get a boss. Number two, be nice to nerds. You may work for one one day. And the number one uh, thing you will not learn in high school is life is not fair. Get used to it. Life is not fair. Get used to it. Someone said the average teenager says this phrase over eight times every day. Now, I don't know. This is just what the, the, the statistics say. Some words I get tongue-tied with. Uh, they say this every, uh, every 8.6 times a day. It's not fair. It's not fair. 
And uh, we say it as adults too. It's not fair that some people are tall and some people are short. It's not fair that some people can eat all the ice cream they want and never get weight. And I watch my diet and I gain by looking at donuts. It's not fair that a high school dropout can become a movie star and make more money than any one of us in here in this room. It's, I've been a good parent. It's not fair that my kids rebelled against God. With this, I've been with this company for years, and, and it's not fair that this young upstart comes along and he gets the promotion, and I don't. It's not fair that I've lived a clean life and never smoked or drink, and I got cancer, and my, uh, my uncle that smoked for years and years and years, he doesn't. It's just not fair. I want you to look at the bookends of this, uh, this uh, parable that he told here just a moment ago. In Matthew 19 and uh, verse number 30, it's that one verse up from verse 1. It says, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And then if you look at the end of where we read in verse number 16 in Matthew 20, it says, so the last shall be first, and the first last for many are called, but few are chosen. So we got that phrase there right in the, as the bookends of that uh, story that Jesus told. And, and if I could uh, put it in uh, our language for today to help you to uh, identify with it a little better. And, and my, my amount I put on there may not be uh, uh, good for this area. But still, uh, he went out into the morning and about 6 a.m. And he hired some people to work and he offered them $100 a day. It, I'm sure we need more than that, but that's what I wrote down. So that's what I'm sticking with. Now, uh, then he went out about the third hour, about 9 a.m., and he did likewise. The sixth hour is noon, and the ninth hour is 3 p.m., and he hired some other workers, and they agreed to $100 uh, a day. Then he went out at the eleventh hour. Eleventh hour is 5 p.m. That's one hour before quitting time. And so put yourself in their position. This man has went out and he's hired somebody in the morning. He went out at a little bit later and a little bit later. And, and then about uh, one hour before quitting time, you know you're looking at the clock by that time. You're watching your watch. Uh, one more hour, I got to go and then I'm, I can get out of here and, and go home. But, and he hires someone. And let's say that you lived in this day and time and they paid you at the end of each day. And so he said, I'm going to start from the last and I'm going to go to the first. And he brings the last person that was hired for at the 11th hour. And he issues them out their $100. He lays out a $100 bill. And you're watching, you're seeing, you're looking around the others. And, hey, you're saying to yourself, he gave him $100. That's what he said he's going to give me. Surely he's going to give me more now since I worked the heat of the day and all day long. Surely he's going to give me more. And then the next person steps up and he got $100. And the next person stepped up and he got $100. And, and finally it comes his turn and he's so anticipating more than what he agreed to because that, that person in the last hour got that $100. And all of a sudden the man lays $100 out there for him. And he begins to mumble and he begins to complain because he's thinking that's not fair. I worked all through the day and I got the same amount as this guy that worked an hour. That's just not fair. And you know, we can identify with him. I mean, uh, honestly, in our day, in our life, if I worked all day long and someone was hired in the last hour and they got uh, the same amount of money that I got, I mean, I, I look at this story and I say, the man has a point. I mean, he, I, I can identify with him. I, I think if I work all day long, I want to get a little bit more than he does. And, and, uh, but, but we got the same amount of money. I would be a little bit upset as well. But uh, the workers complained because they said, you've made them equal with us. It's just not fair. That's one hour before quitting time. 
And so we can identify with them. But I want you to notice something. Notice verse 1. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is an householder. Notice he said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a householder. He didn't say the kingdom of this world is like unto a householder. That's not the way the world operates here. Heaven operates on a different math scale, I guess you could say, than what we operate on. Because heaven, he didn't say uh, the kingdom of this world is like this. He said the kingdom of heaven is like this. Jesus is representing his kingdom. And he says the kingdom of heaven is like unto a householder that agreed with these men to pay them a, a penny a day. So he's talking about his kingdom. And he said his kingdom is not of this world. So we usually apply things a lot of times and many times to how it is here on this earth. And Jesus is not talking about how things are here on earth. He's talking talking about how things are in the kingdom of heaven. So heaven has a different kind of math than we have. I'm a veteran, and so uh, uh, when I was a paratrooper in the Army, uh, I, I got injured a little bit. I went out on my fourth jump uh, when I was jumping out of the uh, airplane. It was a C-130, and uh, a static line got around my neck. You know, you're supposed to go out and grab your reserve right here so you don't lose it, and, and your feet's together, and you're stiff, your chin's on your chest, and you're counting 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. At 4,000, you feel that jerk of the chute. Well, when I went out of the uh, airplane that day, it jerked me up like this, and I was sliding down the static line until it got to the end, and it rubbed all the, all the uh, 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 skin off my neck. And, uh, of course, I went down, and I went to the medic there, and I said, hey, I got injured. He said, you're going to have to be recycled. And I said, no, 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 I'm not either. That's a curse word there. You, you don't say that. I am not going through this again. I said, bandage me up. I'll get on the plane. They were going right back. I'm sorry, getting on the, the deuce and a half. We're going to make our last jump, and then I'm, I'm done. I said, I'll make my jump. So he bandaged me up real quick. I got on the deuce and a half, rode back to the, bear, uh, to the green ramp, and I got on the, uh, the plane again. We shoot it up, and I put my helmet on, but I didn't buckle it because it took the skin right here off my chin too. And that's where that strap went right across there. And so I waited till they gave the signal to stand up and hook up. And, and then I buckled my, my, uh, my helmet on and we, we went out the plane and I finished my jump and I went on to the, uh, uh, to the got, my, got my jump wings, so to speak. And, uh, but, but after I got injured, uh, I, I contacted VA, you know, after I got out sometime, got older, my bones are hurting now. And, and uh, they say I got arthritis up and down my spine, you know, so it's just going to get worse. And, and so, uh, uh, and I got a lot of military men in our church. We got a military church and, and about 80% of our church is military and they all got VA ratings and, and uh, they're, they're going through. And I had one man come into my office to, the other day. He's retired from the army. He said, how do I get this VA rating up? And I said, said, here, let me give you a phone number. I gave him the Seattle VA representative. I said, you call her and you tell her you need a representative and they'll help you. And I helped him do that. But the VA rating is different. Uh, you can have uh, uh, over 300 percent uh, of VA rating on your body and still not be at 100 percent. To me, if you get 10% for your knees and 10% for your, for your shoulders and 10% for your spies or 30%, and if it adds up to 100%, you ought to get 100%, but that's not the way the VA works. Well, the same thing with God. God doesn't work on our timetable or on the way we work. Many stories in the Bible illustrate this. There's a story of, this, of the uh, 99 sheep that he left to go look for one sheep. And he went to look for that one sheep and left the others in, out in the field in the danger. Uh, that's not the way the world works. 
But that's the way the kingdom of heaven works. Jesus said two widows cast in two mites and she gave more than them all. Well, if you said that out in the world, they would think, well, you, you've got some funny math. That's not the way the, the world works, but that's the way the kingdom of heaven works. Uh, uh, that, that's grace. The, this parable is called, or, or could be called, I guess, the parable of the generous boss. Because the generous boss gave those that worked one hour the same amount as those that worked through the heat of the day. But there's four lessons we can learn in this. And whatever time I have left, I will, we'll go and we'll stop from there. But uh, there's a lesson about timing. A lesson about timing. First of all, the workers that worked uh, uh, the 11th hour here, they, they were hired at different times. One hour and then three hours, six hours, nine hours, so forth. And, and they were hired at different times. And it shows that it's, you're, it's never too late to come to the Lord. You can come to the Lord at any time of the day or night. You can come to the Lord at any time during your, your lifespan. And, and you need to come to the Lord before that time ends. But it shows that it's never too late to come to the Lord. But notice these first workers that, that started in the beginning of the day. They came at the early morning hours. That represents those that had got saved early in life. Those that grew up in church. Those that were maybe out in the nursery. In the nursery and, and their parents were serving in church. And, and they, they they, they represent those that worked all through the day. And they, they've known nothing but church all their life. They grew up in church. They stayed in church. It's be like many of the people that, from this church. You've heard many things about it. I've got some people like that in my church. A man about 75 years old. He is, uh, his name's Jerry Faulkner. And uh, his dad uh, would, was saved as a, as a young man. And uh, he, he would pick up homeless people and bring them to his home on Sunday morning and get them dressed and get them cleaned up and serve them breakfast and take them to church. And Jerry Faulkner, who's 75 now, he said it was not uncommon for us to see a homeless man sitting across the table from us eating a breakfast meal before we go on to church. And he said that was our way of life. And so he's a second generation. He's 75 years old. His uh, son uh, leads our choir. He's got children now that are in, in college. And, and so there's four generations there serving the Lord. And they're very faithful to the Lord. So, so some's worked all day long. Some have worked in the heat of the day. You got saved early in life and you've been serving God and you've been working for many, many years on a bus route. You've been working for many, many years in the various ministries that we have. So these first workers represent those that have been a part of God's kingdom for years. You've trusted Him as a child and you were used, you used to be in the nursery and church has always been a part of your life. But you know, there's some rare occasions where some get saved late in life. I got saved a little bit later in life. It was after I got out of the military and, and I got saved. And, and, but it represents that group there. And uh, the, the thief on the cross is a perfect example of a person getting saved on his deathbed. We call it deathbed salvation, you know. And he was on his deathbed even though he was hung up instead of laying down. And, uh, but you know, the testimony he gave there is a powerful testimony. Because he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, that statement he said there, Jesus didn't look much like a king at that moment right there in their life. Now, we know what he is. We know he's the son of God. But that man's hanging on the cross with them. They're about to die. And he says to him, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he didn't look much like a king hanging there, but he put his faith in Christ. And we know that he got saved. That's an example of a deathbed religion. And I know there's some people that say, well, I just want to live my life high. And, and I want to live my life hard. And I'll squeak in under the wire and just before I die and I get saved. You need to be careful with that because there's more people that die up than die laying down. 
And so you need to be careful. And uh, I used to think myself, if I, if I miss salvation, then at the rapture and I'm not taken, I'm going to bow my head right then. I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior. And then I realized when I was studying the Bible that uh, they're going to believe the devil's lie. That, that's, uh, those that's heard a, a chance to hear the gospel and rejected the truth, they're going to believe the devil's lie. So you better not even count on that. You better trust Christ while you can. There was a pastor in Evansville, Indiana, supposed to be a true story. He was called to witness to a 93-year-old man that was, uh, uh, that was dying of cancer. His name was Adolf Allen. All his life, he, had been, he was hard living, hard drinking, and he was a union steel worker dying of cancer. Two minutes into the conversation, he stopped the preacher and he asked, Is it fair to live your whole life one way? And then at the end, ask God to take you to heaven? And the preacher said, No, it's not fair. But luckily for you and for me, God is not fair. He has grace. You see it in football games all the time. One team will dominate another team, and they'll lead through the whole entire game. It might be a close score, but they're dominating. They're winning. And, and then uh, the team that's behind, they can throw a Hail Mary at the very end of the game. And uh, if they catch that, that, that ball at the end, and it makes them have a higher score, even though they were dominated by the other team, they automatically win the game. That's the way it works. You know, the devil's had your life for many years, and he's used your life, he's used your influence, he's used uh, uh, everything about you, and, and it's time to let God have your life now. It's time to let God use your life. And, uh, but, you know, if you got saved, it's still a Jesus one and the devil zero, so that's all that counts. And maybe you're thinking, I'll just uh, get around to trusting Christ one day. No, statistics show that more die in, uh, when they're awake than when they're, when they're on their deathbed. But if you're 70 or 80 or 90 and you're not saved. You need to trust Christ today. So there's a lesson on timing. You can come to Christ anytime. Number two, a lesson on grace. You know, God dispenses gifts, not wages. Gifts, not wages. All who uh, respond to God's invitation, they get all of him the same as someone that grew up in the nursery and they know Christ all their life. I got saved later on in life, and, and when I got saved, I got just as much of God, just as much of the Holy Spirit. I got just as much access to God as, as anybody else. I think, Brother Eddie, you grew up here, and, and uh, so, so he's got access to God. He's known him longer than I have, but I got just as much access to God as Brother Eddie does or anybody else. At the end of the day, uh, if we go to God and we say, God, I want to be paid, uh, well, you don't want to be paid because God doesn't pay people. There's only one way God pays people. He gives gifts to people, but he doesn't pay. But, you know, if we're like them, if we'd seen someone work all day long and we watched them get the same amount of money that we got who worked all day long, we would say that's not fair. But God's not fair all the time. God gives grace. He's not talking about the kingdom of this world. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And that's where grace comes in. If you won't pay, what is our pay? What would be our pay? If you'd say heaven, if heaven's our pay, well, you're wrong there. That's one of the benefits of salvation. We, we don't, heaven's not our pay. You know what the, what the pay would be, the real treasure? The real treasure is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Heaven's just a, ben a benefit. It's just a benefit. You know, if you, if you think about the thief on the cross and, and that statement that he made, remember me when you, come in, uh, when, you, when you enter into your kingdom and what Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. What word do you focus on? Does the word carrot paradise get you? A lot of people, they get focused on the word paradise, but that, that's not the focus. The focus ought to be with me. 
with me. That's the real treasure. We get to be with Christ in heaven. We're going to be with Him. And all, to, all that trust Christ as their personal Savior, they get to be with Him. When I was first saved, I, 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 that was strange to me. How can all, everyone have access to God and when all these people get saved, how, how are we going to spend time with Him? And there was a man who took me aside and he pointed to the sun. I was in Tennessee. And he said, see the sun right there? Yeah. He said, you got it all to yourself. But we all got it too. He's everywhere present. You see, when we think about how the, the workers got paid in this story, we usually apply it to our life in this world, and we bristle at that. We think that's not fair. And I know someone say, thinks sometimes, wait a minute, preacher, now we're going to get paid when we get to heaven, aren't we? Aren't we going to get some crowns? And, and yes, you are going to get some crowns, but you've got to earn them while you're here on earth. I love the message Brother Howells preached one time, only the crown can crown. I, I remember that one. But you know, the Bible does say in Revelation that we're going to give our crowns to Jesus. Now, I don't know how long we'll have them. It don't, may only be briefly. I mean, we're not gonna, he's not going to let us get proud in heaven. Look what I got. You didn't get, you know. He's not going to let that happen. We're, gonna, we're not going to feel worthy to carry these crowns and, and wear them. We're going to give them to Jesus and cast them at his feet. So that's not really biblical. And the idea of, uh, well, I don't care if I get a mansion. You've heard somebody say, just give me a little cabin on a hilltop. That's not biblical either. In my father's house are many mansions, not cabins on hilltops, so there's not going to be anything like that. So many Christians study this parable, and they get baffled at the landowner. And they risk missing the point of what Jesus is trying to offer here. He offers, he dispenses gifts, not wages. If you want to, a wages, you're going to get something else, because the Bible says the wages is death, but the gifts is grace. So if you want paid on fairness, it's only fair if we all die and go to hell. But we want grace is what we want. And so if it's wages you want, then it's death in hell. But if you want a gift, that's what he gives out. Then a gift cannot be earned. So what is eternal life? The Bible tells us what eternal life is. In John 17, 13, and this is eternal life, that they may know thee. So God wants us to know him. And we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to know him. We can know him now while we're living here on this earth. So eternal life is, is knowing God as your personal Savior. Then there's a lesson on authority, and I have to hurry here real quickly. And uh, uh, God is sovereign. God is sovereign here. The workers, they thought they would get more when they finally got up there, the last or the first one that was hired. And the 12-hour workers, they complained, and, and he smiled and said, I do thee no wrong, friend. Go thy way. You're going you're gonna to think I'm evil because I'm being generous to these guys here? We agreed to a penny a day. But they're grumbling and they're complaining. You know, grace disturbs our sense of justice here on this earth. Because, uh, and our sense of fairness. Because, uh, you know, God owns the universe. Hey, newsflash. God can do what He wants. He doesn't need our permission. He doesn't need to, to run things by us. He can do what He wants. You know, he created us, and he reigns, and he rules. He does as he pleases. A business owner might say, well, that's not the way I would run my business. Of course not, because you're here on earth. But God runs his business differently. The kingdom of heaven is a different way he operates up there. Suppose you went to take a test. You're in college, and you're studying, and, and you're about to take a test. It's a big, long test, you know, and, and you stayed up all night long to, to study for this test, and, and, and you, you're ready. I mean, you're ready for this test. And, and you go, and you sit down in the classroom, and everybody's cramming. You know what that means? And, but you're confident. You're sitting there, and all of a sudden, he pulls out the paper, and he begins to do a review of the test, and you realize he didn't cover that. 
And before, he, before you get too angry, he says, now, wait a minute. I told you at the beginning of the course that you're responsible for everything in the book. Is it his fault that you're not ready? You studied the wrong material? He said, but preacher, that's not fair. Did he say you were responsible for everything in the book? So he passes out the test and he lays them face down. He says, leave them face down just for a moment. He says, now, I told you you're responsible for everything in the book. So... Do your best and see what you can do. And they turned the pages over, and every, every answer was filled out. He had 100% at the top with an A-plus written on it. You just experienced grace. Now, those of you that's college students, don't you wish your professor would do that, huh? So you wouldn't have to take a test. But, but grace disturbs our sense of justice and fairness. And we want things to be fair like we hear on earth. And then it's an, a, a lesson about attitude. You ought to be thankful for the blessings you get, not, not get out of sorts because of what somebody else gets that maybe is better than yours or something. The 12-hour workers grumbled and complained because they compared their wages to someone else and they said that wasn't fair. God is going to use some people, I said it to the chapel, God is going to use some people in a great way, but God's going to use some people only marginally. I'm not talking about the size of the church or anything like that, but God's going to put his hand on some people and use them greatly, and God is not going to use someone else as greatly. They'll use them, but not as greatly. And some people might say, well, that's not fair. God is sovereign. He can do what he wants. We have no choice in the matter. So how, do, how does that set with you, though? Does it upset you? Do you want to be used greatly? Do you want God to uh, use you greatly? There's some grumblers in the Bible about certain things. Jonah was a grumbler. I could imagine Jonah was preached the greatest revival in history. But yet he, said he didn't want to do it. He ran from God because he said, God, I know what you're going to do. You're going to save them. They're going to repent. I don't want that to happen. So he ran. God has a way of persuading you to turn around. So he, he got a hold of him in the, in the whale's belly. And then he went and preached. And, and he didn't preach on the grace of God. He didn't preach on the mercy of God. His title of his message, if I could title it for him, was Turn or Burn. He preached on the judgment of God. And you know what? People got saved because of that. And then J Jonah went outside the city and got angry, <laughs> pointing his face. I knew you'd do that. I just knew you'd do that. He didn't want them to be saved, but they were. He was a grumbler. The prodigal son's brother was a grumbler. He, he, he refused to go in and join the party because his brother came back. And he, his father had to come out there and, and talk to him. said, it's good that your brother's back home. It's good. See, the older son, even though he obeyed all the rules, even though he never uh, did anything wrong, he worked hard, he did everything, he still didn't understand the father's grace. He said, hey, everything I got is yours. But it's good that he's home. He felt like his brother was being mistreated, or he was being mistreated because of the way his brother was, was taught. Now, I've been pastoring for 30 years, and over the years, I've heard people say as they come in, they say, look at those guys with tattoos on. Well, all my guys got tattoos because they, they're in the, they were in the military, and they didn't get saved later on in life. They say, look at those guys with tattoos. I, I don't like that preacher. Someone else will come in with green hair. Look at that lady with green hair, preacher. I, I don't like that. Someone else comes in and, and they, uh, uh, they wore shorts to church on a Wednesday night, you know, and, and they're, they're not a regular member, but they wore shorts. Look at that preacher. They're, look how they're dressing. And, and I don't like that. I say, well, it's a good thing it's God's church and not yours. It's God's church. Look at all those piercings on them. I don't like that. And it's going to get worse, folks. Just hang, hang on. Just be thankful for your salvation. 
Be thankful for your salvation. Some people, I've heard them say, you know who Jeffrey Dahmer is, the one that killed all those people? If he's, if he's in heaven, I don't want to go there. For real? You don't want to go to heaven because Jeffrey Dahmer's up there? Are, are you saying you want to go to hell because Jeffrey Dahmer's in heaven? You'll give up heaven because of Jeffrey Dahmer being there? You know, if he got saved when he was in prison, he's in heaven today. But you say, I don't want to go there because Jeffrey Dahmer may be there. You better reconsider that. Hold your hand over a Bic lighter for a while and then answer that question if that's what you want. No, he, if he's in heaven, he's going to change life. How do you think the apostle Paul felt? He, he, killed, uh, he killed the first deacon. Well, at least it was a deacon, you know, but he killed, the first, he killed someone. And how do you think they felt when he came into the church? You're the one that killed, killed Stephen. Well, he had to learn to get over that. And we got to go on ourselves. Just don't become a high-maintenance person. You know what a high-maintenance person is? A person that grumbles all the time. A person that you have to have, have, the pastor has to always get involved with things. Don't, don't be a high-maintenance type person. You know, don't, don't, don't be like that. And, and uh, uh, God deals with each person differently. He doesn't deal with everyone the same. He deals with every person different, differently. Hebrews 11 is a perfect example, and I'll be finished. In Hebrews 11, they started out with all these miracles, wonderful miracles. I mean, uh, Moses and, and all that he did, and Abraham, and, and you know, the, the, all the miracles. They lived by faith, and this is what happened. But toward the end of the chapter, the miracles stop. All of a sudden, they're dying. They're being tortured. They're being killed. They're being arrested. Why didn't God do miracles for them? God is sovereign. He can do what He wants. But you know something? What it teaches us is that you don't have to have miracles in your life to have a faith that's pleasing to God. You don't have to part waters to have a faith that's pleasing to God. They had faith, but they didn't see any miracles. These had faith and did see miracles, but they're both in the hall of faith. Just be the kind of Christian you're supposed to be. Don't expect God to do things fair. Well, so-and-so got blessed and I didn't get blessed. Big deal. You just be the kind of Christian you're supposed to be. And God will get around to blessing you eventually.